Praise the Lord for that. We're going to part two of last week's sermon, God Takes Care of His Own, and we're reading out of 1 Kings chapter 17, and the prophet that we are reading about that lived so many hundreds of years before Christ also met with Christ, didn't he? The Bible tells us that Moses and Elijah met with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration when Peter, James, and John had gone with Christ and when Christ was transformed before them and his glory shined out and he talked with them and the Bible tells us that he talked they talked with him about his demise, about his coming death. So this, when somebody's made the comment that anywhere you cut the Bible, it will bleed red because Jesus' sufferings were predicted in the Old Testament and because the prophets of old foresaw that God had a plan to take care of the sin of man. It was not going to be the blood of animals. It was going to be the blood of the perfect lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And so uh, we're going to read another episode out of, the, out of the life of Elijah. Last week we introduced the character Elijah who suddenly appeared when Israel had become apostate when they turned from God and were following after idols the idol that they were following was Baal and they were encouraged to follow this false god because of the queen as it were Jezebel uh, Ahab was king and Jezebel, his wife, was a daughter of the priest of Baal up in Phoenicia or, or Sidon. And so uh, she encouraged her husband who was uh, like a willow. He was willing to do whatever she said, whatever she wanted done. He was willing to follow in whatever her desire was. And so uh, the land was greatly polluted uh, because of idolatry. And Jezebel had even slain some of the prophets, many of the prophets of the Lord. We'll read a little bit about that or tell you a little bit more about that in the scripture this morning. So uh, the scripture tells us that God's prophet Elijah suddenly appeared before Ahab and announced to Ahab there in the 17th chapter of 1 Kings that it was not going to rain uh, until he said it was going to rain. He had been a man of prayer. James tells us about this. 
Jesus spoke about it. And uh, so then Elijah went into hiding because Ahab would seek him, would seek his life. And so God miraculously provided for Elijah. We left him last time in the house of a widow woman and a widow woman who had a son. Uh, Elijah had told her to fix him something to eat. And she said, we don't have any food except enough for one little cake and my son and I are going to eat that and then we're going to die. And Elijah said, fix a cake for me first and then you fix for you and your son. And, I'm, and I said last week it was not Elijah being selfish, but it was what we are taught in the scriptures that God wants to be first. Elijah was God's man. Elijah was there at the command of God. And so this woman who was not a Jew, she was a Gentile living in a Gentile country, uh, obeyed the voice of Elijah as he spoke by the authority of God and she made that cake for him and when she did she used all the meal that she had, all the oil that she had but miraculously it was resupplied so she could make for her and her son and the Bible says that God promised her that that was going to happen and so it did happen and they lived off of that miracle that God had supplied for their existence. And so uh, we come down now in the 17th chapter and we're reading now uh, in verse 17 of the 17th chapter. And if you would, stand with me if you're able. And we'll read a few verses here to the end of the chapter. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Out thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance, and to slay my son. And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her, of her bosom, and carried him up into a loft, where he abode, and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray, I pray thee, let this child's soul come again into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came into him again. And he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down to the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. 
And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. So we'll leave off reading there for a while and ask the Lord to help us. Lord, as we look at this word this morning, we ask, dear Lord, that the familiarity, even though we many of us have heard the story many times, may it bolster, may it strengthen our faith, encourage us in the things of God, and help us, dear Lord, to see that it certainly is to our benefit to be obedient to all the word of the Lord. We ask, dear Lord, that your Holy Spirit will abide near and speak to our hearts, and we'll thank you for what you do, asking all these favors in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And so uh, we, we see that even though this woman was doing what she ought to do, that something happened, misfortune came, and immediately she went to the place that a lot of people go to in their thoughts when misfortunes come. Uh, I would have you notice that uh, she began to she began to think that everything she had ever done was brought back up against her. And the devil does that to us folks, even though Jesus has forgiven us of our sins and we know his redeeming grace. When things begin to go wrong in our lives, we begin to think God is punishing us, that somehow or another God's got it in for us and he's, he's out to get us. And uh, he's, he's going to destroy us. Uh, certainly, when you look at this story, if Elijah had not come to stay at this wo widow's house, and uh, you notice the, uh, the proper abode of the prophet. Uh, he, was, he was not in the same room as the widow. Uh, he was not cohabitating with the widow, as many have done today, and say, you know, it, it really doesn't matter what the neighbors think, doesn't matter what anybody thinks. Uh, he had his own place in a separate part of the house so that the reputation of the widow as well as the reputation of the prophet were protected. So when the child died, Elijah took the child and went to his own room and went to his own bed. Uh, sometimes people will uh, pretend like things are not going on when they are going on. I heard a story of uh, a mother that went to, a, uh, went to visit her son who... Uh, had a girlfriend, and the girlfriend was there, and they had a nice Thanksgiving meal together, and, and uh, the son and the girlfriend uh, told the mother that, yes, they were in the same house, but they were not sleeping together. They, were, they had separate accommodations, and uh, she didn't have to worry, and everything seemed to be on the up and up, and so... Uh, the time of celebration ended. The mother 
the mother left, and uh, uh, so a uh, couple days later or so, I mean, they cleaned up. You know, a good mother's going to help clean up, and she going to clean up the dishes and help help in all the things, put things back where they belong. And uh, so uh, the uh, the a girlfriend called the mother, and she said, you know, uh, uh, I don't know where you put uh, that platter that we used. Uh, I've been looking everywhere for it, and I can't find it. And, and the mother said, I actually wrapped it up and put it in your bed. Uh, so <laughs> she hadn't been to her own bed. <laughs> and the mother, the mother more or less had, a, had an ambition that she wasn't sleeping in that bed. Uh, it was all for show. Uh, but many feel that uh, God will not judge that. And we, we know in this day that they tell us that when statistics are reviewed, that people that cohabitate together have less chance of success in a marriage than those who remain celibate, live separate, and then are married and, and move in together. Uh, so the trial, the trial uh, type of, of marriage is not the best way to go. And I'm not saying that they never do uh, work out, but uh, God has planned for us to stay uh, true to him and follow him. And so the scripture says uh, that uh, she began to blame God. Uh, have you brought my sin up again? Uh, and certainly there's always skeletons in the closet, aren't there? There's always things that we say, well, we don't really want this to be known. This is something that went on. But it's, it's a fact. So immediately her conscience began to afflict her did not mean that God was punishing her. And I'll ask you this question. If, if a prophet did not come to live there at that abode, if he, did not, if he was not there, would her son have died? Does anybody die in other houses where a prophet has not come to eat the meals and to be sustained? You know they do. Death comes to in, in every home, not on a timely manner. A lot of times it comes uh, uh, very unexpectedly and very early. And so I look at this as something that no, God did not cause it to happen. God allowed it to happen. God is all-powerful. He can, he can stop anything like this from happening, but he did not choose to do that. But because he did not choose to do that, to intervene, to interfere in the processes of, of nature, does not mean that he was punishing her. And so even though she believed this and Elijah seemed to embrace it, uh, still... Uh, Death does come even when there are not special circumstances in the home. And so 
Was it a blessing that Elijah was there? Yeah, absolutely, wasn't it? If Elijah wasn't there, death would have come to this child. The mother would have been quite alone then. Uh, but as it were, Elijah was able to take this child out of the mother's arms and to take him to his room. And then it's interesting uh, how uh, he seemed to try to warm the child with his body. And, uh, and do you realize that there had never been a resurrection before? Scripture doesn't record any resurrections until this one. And somebody would say, well, it wasn't really a resurrection. It was a resuscitation. I say it was a resurrection. If you're dead and you come back to life, yeah, I know, he, I know when he got older, he died again. He did have to die again, but he came back to life. To me, that is a resurrection, even though it wasn't permanent. So the scripture tells us that he took the child down, delivered him to his mother, uh, sometimes your faith, even though you have faith, it can be damaged, can it? And you, you think you're pretty strong, and then something happens, and your faith gets damaged. <coughs> and so uh, her faith was renewed. And aren't you glad God allows our faith to be renewed we live in a day that's hard on faith, folks. It's hard on faith. And our faith is under attack. We're mocked off times if we have a belief in God. And many in the world want to believe and want to live as though there is no God, that there is no accountability. I talked to a lady that works at a supermarket in West Mansfield. She said... She said, people are so bad today. She said, the owner of the market, uh, because people wanted to get pop after hours when the store was closed, <clears throat> he put a line, and I don't know what market this is, you may know as soon as I say this. <clears throat> he put a line of machines, vending machines, outside of his store <coughs> so that people could People could get water. I don't mean water. I'm getting water for me. <laughs> so that people could get pop uh, when the store was closed. And they said that when the store was closed, they saw an old man come and open every vending machine and dump the money out. And she said, do you know you can go online and you can find out how to make keys to get in those things so that you can rob them, that they tell you how to do it online. And people think there's no accountability, uh, that you're not going to have to answer. But my Bible tells me there is coming a day when we are going to answer, and it's going to be for far more than stealing some change out of vending machines. It's going to be by our rejection of God's plan of salvation, the perfect plan of salvation, Jesus Christ, is the greatest sin that can be committed. And so 
her faith was renewed and our faith needs to be strengthened and renewed today. God is still the same today as what he was back in the day of Elijah. Now, the Bible tells us at this point that Elijah was told, this was after probably a couple of years of being here and being provided for in this house. And the Bible says it came to pass after many days, this is in chapter 18, that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And so the scripture says that Elijah went with the intention of revealing himself to Ahab. And the scripture says that as he went, uh, there was a search going on at that time. And I'm not going to read all this to you. You can read it for yourself if you haven't already. Uh, that King Ahab went one way and the governor of his house uh, was sent another direction. And they were looking for any place that there was any grass that they could keep the last of the animals alive. And uh, so one went one way and the, the governor, or Obadiah, his name was, went the other way. They went by themselves. Uh, they divide, divided the land between them. And uh, so they're trying to save the horses and the mules and the cattle, trying to save what few they have left. Many have already died, no doubt, from the famine. Uh, now we, don't, we find that there was famine in Israel but there isn't anything said about there being famine in the southern kingdom. And so it's theorized that while the northern kingdom was disobedient to God and idolatrous, the southern kingdom was still getting some rain. So they may have looked for areas close to the southern kingdom where they could find some grass, where they could find something to keep the animals alive. And so... <clears throat> As they, as they went their directions, it came to pass that Obadiah was the one who first saw Elijah. <coughs> and Elijah, Elijah said, go tell Ahab that I'm here. And Obadiah said, you're, you're going to get me killed because the Spirit of God will catch you away again. And Ahab will think that I've made up story, and, Ob and Ahab will kill me. Obadiah said, do you know what I have done? When Jezebel slew, when she killed the prophets of God, I hid a hundred of them in caves, and I have seen to it that they have been fed. I've kept them alive. And so now, if you do this, and the Spirit of God catches you away, then Ahab's going to kill me because he'll think that I have told him something that's not true. And Elijah said, I assure you, I am going to show myself to Ahab. And the question comes up, why did Obadiah serve this old wicked king and this old wicked queen, Jezebel? 
Well, one answer would be maybe he didn't have a choice. <laughs> maybe he was appointed and he didn't like Ahab, but if he wanted to stay alive, that's what he had to do. He had to work for Ahab. The other thing is, it's advantageous for God to have some faithful people in places even where there's great wickedness. That even, I mean, I thank God for people who profess their faith in our U.S. government and take the ridicule, whatever they need to do in order to take a stand and say, you know, I believe in God, I believe that this is right. Aren't you glad they don't all quit and walk out and say, you know, I don't want to be around this bunch. I don't want to be associated with them. But they stand their ground. They do the best they can to try to influence others in the way of God. So I look at Obadiah in that light, that he was there as a righteous person in a very wicked reign. And the scripture says that Elijah did reveal himself to Ahab and he did let Ahab talk to him. And the scripture says here in this 18th chapter that when he had the, the meeting with, with Ahab, that this conversation took place in verse 17. It came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, they, Ahab said unto him, Art thou here, he that troubleth Israel? And Elijah said back to him, he said, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. And so, there's the accusation. You're a troublemaker. You're a troublemaker. And it's turned right back on Ahab. The same thing goes on today, folks. Uh, the, the Christians oft times and the righteous people oft times are, are accused of being dividers, divisive, of being a problem in the land, of even, of even being militants, of, of trying to overthrow the government, uh, which is not true. Uh, you all don't look like a bunch of insurrectionists that I'm looking at here this morning. You don't look like a real powerful group of people that are going against the government. Uh, but more and more, in the name of, of civil good and the good for society, uh, rights are taken away. And there's reasons given, but the reasons are not adequate. And so uh, we know that many times things are done and Christians are blamed in order to cover up for the ones that truly are to blame, the ones that are guilty. We cannot make people serve the Lord, can we, folks? It doesn't matter how many laws we pass. There's not enough police officers to enforce those laws to make people do what's right. And we're finding that out more all the time, aren't we? 
that it doesn't matter how many police officers you have. And, you know, you hear different things. If you want to cut crime down, you just need to close all the jails. Well, that, that, why didn't I think of that? Ooh, <laughs> plain as the nose on your face, isn't it? If we just closed all the, all the prisons, everything would be fine. Well, you know, that's, that's absolutely ridiculous that those things are there because people have stepped outside the law. And then uh, we know the other seeds of dissension that are sowed through our communities and through our country. And that is that uh, there, there is a, an innate wickedness to being white. Uh, you're supposed to hate your whiteness. Uh, and so it's called the critical race theory. Uh, it goes back into the roots. And folks, that is not biblical. That is not even good common sense. And so I read an article in the paper where uh, women, a couple women went into Columbus Academy and uh, stood their ground against critical race theory. Uh, Tucker Carlson, that some of you know and watch, I don't have cable, so I don't see it. Uh, but uh, he's a hero to a lot of people. Uh, he took up the chant, and uh, then I read in the dispatch, and he, the guy in the dispatch, and I can't think of his name now, but he was kind of poking fun at the women, and he was talking about all the disparity that the black people go through. And it's true that sometimes black people are mistreated. And it is true that, that they have been enslaved, but I'll tell you, um, there have been black slave owners as well as white slave owners. It's not just the white people that enslaved the black. The black have enslaved their own. And we talk about police brutality, and you realize that much of the crime that is taking place is a lot of black-on-black -black crime that people in low-income neighborhoods are trying to make their living off of drugs and they get into a feud, and then we had, we had just a youngster shot uh, when a gun battle was going on. Uh, the answer, folks, is revival. The answer is to get the gospel out to more places, get more people saved, and help them to come to know the peace of Jesus Christ, because all the money in the world is not gonna make a difference. So who is troubling who is troubling the world? Or in this case, who is troubling Israel was the question. We can say who is troubling the United States? Is it, is it the Christian or is it the rampant pornography that is even on our television, on, on our, our regular television without cable? There's things on there uh, that are not fit to watch, folks. Uh, they, need to be, they need to be turned off uh, because they're certainly not anything that's wholesome. And then uh, the terrible, terrible things that are going on of crime, uh, women that just step out of their car to get fuel and somebody comes up and it's not, it's not the older criminal. It's, it's 13, 14, 15-year-olds 
that are, are, will grab a woman, will grab her, her handbag, will, will get in the car and take off in the car. Uh, so who is troubling the country? It's definitely not the Christians. But God has a better way. And so the scripture tells us that what Elijah said to Ahab was, uh, we need to have a gathering and find out which way is right and who people should serve. And so he said, uh, he said, I want you to have a gathering on Mount Carmel and uh, you call all the prophets of Baal. Uh, appears that there were 450 and then there were 400 some way that uh, were supporters of, the, of those prophets and have them come and, and let's have a meeting on Mount Carmel. The Mount Carmel is not an extremely high uh, mountain. It uh, it's definitely doesn't approach what Mount Hermon is. Uh, as I recall, a couple thousand feet elevation, not not very high at all. Uh, different different slopes, different peaks on it, I should say. Uh, so we don't know exactly where it took place. Uh, Mount Carmel would be close to the Mediterranean Sea, and the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, likely, I wasn't exactly there, but. Looking on the map, it looks like the waters of the Mediterranean would be washing up very close to Mount Carmel, to the base of Mount Carmel. And so uh, the, the challenge is sent out by Elijah. Call the prophets of Baal and I will come. I by myself will come. Uh, the others evidently wherever they were in the caves or whatever. This was not something that was done in a couple hours' time, folks. This is something that the summons had to go out into the country where all these false prophets were and to have them to come and to meet together. This was a, a formal decree by Ahab that all these prophets were to be here that this was going to be a contest to see which deity should be served, either Baal or Jehovah. <clears throat> so it wasn't a uh, come if you can kind of thing, come if you can make time in your schedule. It was be there or else. I wondered with this kind of thing taking place <clears throat> why Jezebel didn't come to see this big contest. Uh, she doesn't show up. She stays where she is. Uh, probably was staying in and, uh, and doing her face and, and couldn't go out because she was afraid of the weather, <laughs> afraid, that the, afraid that the paint would run maybe. Um, you know, <clears throat> whatever the reason, she wasn't there. <clears throat> but they were called. And God calls us decision, doesn't he? This is not the only place that this takes place where the scripture says 
in verse 21, Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him, and if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then uh, the scripture says, I am only, I remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. So then he issues the challenge. God's challenge is the same to us today. And that is, make a choice. Make a choice. If you're going to serve the Lord, then serve the Lord. Uh, The Bible tells us that this challenge was given in the book of Hosea, chapter 10. And it says uh, in verse 2, Their heart is divided. Now shall, shall they be found faulty. He shall break down their altars. He shall spoil their images. So their heart was divided, according to Hosea chapter 10 and verse 2. And then we know the, we know the oft-expressed uh, verse that is given in the book of Joshua, uh, where the scripture tells us, that uh, in verse 20 or chapter 24 and verse 15 of Joshua, what the challenge was there. And I'll read it. I'll read it for you. 24 and 15 and some verses surrounding. And it says this. In verse 14, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. And serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, the people gave a good answer at that time. They said, we're going to serve the Lord. But it didn't last. It didn't last, folks. And God still calls us today to a decision. Are we going to serve the Lord? Are we going to be obedient to the Lord? Some people want to what we call hedge their bets, don't they? They want to they kind of get one foot over here on this side and the other foot over here on the other side. And, you know, they say, well, whatever way it goes, whatever way it goes, I'll be covered. I'm, I'm not going to be judged as a radical that, you know, somewhere or another, I'm choosing to serve God and I'm going to say Jesus Christ is my Savior. But that's exactly what Jesus said, wasn't it? Jesus said that he is the way. He didn't say there was any other way. He is the way. And folks, we have to determine that we are going to follow him in that way, that he is our Savior. 
and we are not depending on anyone else or anything else, that we're depending on him only. <clears throat> so when it comes to when it comes to making a decision, oh Elijah was a radical, wasn't he? And folks, we have to be a radical. We have to be radical. We have to say, this is it. This is it, and this is how it's going to be. Um, uh, we've seen where a couple of rich guys have launched into outer space, and that'd be quite an experience, wouldn't it? Um, but they're pretty radical, aren't they? They don't, they don't say, you know, uh, close is good enough. Close will do. Just, just, just get it close. Now, my, with my math, you know, they'd be in trouble because my math is not good. But they want it exact, to know exactly what's going on. And we have to be that way when it's, when it's receiving the truth of God's word. We have to be exact. We have to be radical. We have to say, it's God's way, and that's the way that I'm choosing. That's the way that I'm taking regardless of what anybody else does. Like Joshua said, whatever you choose, that's up to you. But as for me, and as for my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And we need to have that kind of stalwart faith and that kind of stalwart determination to say, I'm going to follow the Lord. If none go with me, still I will follow. Yeah, if I'm walking this way alone, I'm still going to follow. I'm going to be faithful to the Lord. I'm going to be obedient to Him. I'm going to be a person of the book. I'm going to read the Word. I'm going to take time to be with my Savior and ask for His direction and guidance. I'm going to take time, if I can, to let somebody else know that I'm a Christian and, and to let them know I'm interested in them that I want them to know the way of Christ. And, you know, sometimes we miss opportunities, don't we, to share the fact that we have a faith in Christ, that we're not just being good because we're good people. We're being good because we're Christians, because we've received Jesus. <laughs> you, you might find this a little, a little far out. <clears throat> One of my friends is better Facebook and all that than I am. I'm not good at all on that. I don't sell things on that, on that venue. So I said, uh, I said uh, to this friend, I said, would you, would you put my moped, do you know what a moped is? <laughs> would you put my moped for sale uh, on, on the electronic? Uh, and he said, yeah, he would do that. So I got a call. It was put on in the morning. I got a call in the morning. A guy want, wants my moped. And, uh, but he wants me to bring it to him. It's not very much. You know, a moped wasn't much of a vehicle. And uh, so uh, I, I, I checked and I thought, well, I said, so if I bring that down, then you say, I don't want it. 
then then I've hauled the thing down there and and then I got hauled right back. So why am I going to do that? No, no, he, he had a foreign accident. He said, no, no, you you bring it down. Uh, we make a deal. I give you the money. Okay. Uh, so we're making we're making the deal, making the arrangements. How this is going to be? He's he's assuring me I can trust him. It'll be okay. He'll he'll give me the money, not a large amount, like I said. He'll he'll give me the money, and uh, so uh, I said, uh, and I can't even tell you his name because I'm not even sure I got the letters right when I told him to spell it for me. Uh, I said, "Are you a Christian?" Oh yes, I'm a Christian. Uh, praise the Lord, I'm a Christian. Yeah, we go to church and so forth. Uh, but just out of the blue, you know, why not? All they can say is, no, I'm not. And then, and then it gives you an open door. Why not? You know, you ought to be or whatever. At least it keeps the idea before people that they ought to be, that there's more to it than just living this life and, and then being unprepared when life is over. So, yeah, he told me he was from Portugal. Uh, he said, he said oh, we're, we're mixed up. Uh, my, my mom uh, is from Italy. And <laughs> he, was telling me, he was telling me that uh, I, I think uh, his wife's from Germany. And uh, he said the kids, the kids are, a, are a, a really a mix. Uh, but... Uh, you know, all I'm saying is just be yourself, but let your light shine and, and be determined to be what God wants you to be. And yeah, you'll, you'll hit some snags, but God takes care of his own folks. And, and we, can, we can trust him. We can depend on him. Yeah, Elijah was a radical. We're not going to go to the contest on Mount Carmel, but we got it all set up, don't we? So who knows, you might have Part three, God takes care of his own. And maybe you could even cheat and read ahead if you want to. So will you stand with me this morning? I ask you to bow your heads. If you have a need of prayer, the altar is open. And I'll give you a moment before I <clears throat> before I pray. <clears throat> For you to mind the Lord if he wants you to come. <clears throat>